Welcome to the Rev Thinking Podcast, the creative and business minds behind the world's best studios in motion, production, and sound. Here we believe the best way to deal with the future is to create it. I'm Joel Pilger. My guest today is Eric Singer at Coop Studios, one of the partners of the creative audio sound design magicians, composers, what have you, in Boulder, Colorado. You're gonna love this conversation, why? Because Eric is, he's wide open. I love this guy. Now, I have a long history with Coop Studios. I started working with them way back in the day, I think I'm gonna say in the mid 90s. And the reason I even mention that is because when I was running my studio, okay, we were doing production and motion and design and branding. Audio was one of my secret weapons. And you'll understand why I say that once we get into the podcast. You're also gonna learn a lot about what is the deal with audio? Why is it at the end of the so-called food chain when you're producing a project? And should you bring it forward? Okay, of course, Eric is gonna tell you why you should, but he's gonna make an interesting argument that is based in psychology and science and marketing human behavior. So listen in and enjoy this conversation and get ready to amp up the role of audio, sound, music in your studio's work. Enjoy. If you ask the, the average person, what kind of animation style do you like? 3D versus 2D? Or what do you like in color correction? Like, nobody has an opinion on, on that stuff unless you're really immersed in it. Right. But music? Everybody's an expert, at, at least on their own musical taste, right? We all know what we like. And sometimes our clients know what they want. But we also constantly hear, yeah, we're not sure what we want, but we'll know it when we hear it. And that's actually a wonderful thing for us to hear because that says to me, we trust you. We are coming to you with this overall vision and we trust that you're going to find the right music. And as soon as you present it to us, we're going to rejoice and, and hear a chorus of angels. One of the first projects I did when I started at Coop, gosh, 17 years ago, was a music supervision gig. 2006, the golden era of music supervision. And our client in this case was a creative director who was the quintessential madman. He, at that time, was probably 80 years old, truly came up through the Madison Avenue system, dozens and dozens of huge campaigns that he had run over the years. And when I sat down with him to talk about music, the first thing I asked was, what are you hearing in your head for this spot? And he stopped, put down his pencil and looked at me and said, why are you asking me? What the hell am I paying you for? <laughs> and it was the most wonderful thing to hear because he really did trust us and he felt okay I've done my piece which was writing this and now I'm going to hand it to the experts to figure out what it should sound like and these days we have so many resources things like Artlist where you have in many cases really good music made by real musicians and these options are accessible to everybody now and at a very low price. 
And that price doesn't necessarily correlate with quality. Just because it's going to cost you $30, it may be a banger of a song. Of course, you're never going to be able to be identified by that song, but that's a whole other topic. Let me interject with this, just for people listening that are like, Wait, where did this come from? Where's Joel going? And by the way, who is this Eric guy? <laughs> I love the post that you put on LinkedIn yesterday, and it gives great context to this conversation. Because you said, tomorrow I get to turn the tables and be the guest on a podcast. And I just realized I need your help. Joel Pilger is interviewing me about moving sound up the food chain. Producer friends, CD friends, copywriter friends, editor friends, help me out here. What are some of the reasons why that conversation so often doesn't happen, at least from our perspective, until so late in the process? And bonus points if you tell us how to fix it. <laughs> so with that said, what kind of responses did you, you get to your post? It seems like most people there said, I don't do that. <laughs> I would never do that. Well, it's, it's interesting because there was a parenthetical in my initial question that was, why does it happen so late in the process, at least from our perspective? And that was the key thing that, that I think came through in those responses was that it's not an afterthought for us. As a creative, I'm thinking about music right from the very beginning, but for whatever reason, I'm not having that conversation with Coop or with Squeaky Clean or with DeFacto or whoever is is doing the audio until much later in the process. And sometimes those are for logistical reasons. We haven't awarded the job yet to even a production company. And we have to do that. We have to find our director. We have to do our, get our production company set up. We have to get our, our edit house in place. And sound is a last stop in lining those logistical blocks up. So let me ask you this. Who is Eric and who is Coop? And then I'm going to stop you because I have a really good question I want to ask you to keep this thread going. But just for anyone who doesn't know yeah. you or Coop, can you give us the quick byline? I will, I will try. I am one of uh, the partners at Coop Studios. My domain here is primarily branded audio. So we do a lot of other things besides branded audio. We create scores for films. We do podcasts that, that often are not branded podcasts, but my sort of area of expertise where I spend most of my time is branded audio. So do creating audio logos, overall sonic brands, things like that. Coop, Coop Studios Music and Sound Design is our studio in Boulder, Colorado. And we have been in business since 1980. I've been here 17 years. Aaron and I took over the business from your friend and my friend, the dearly departed Scott Roche, um, who passed away a few years ago. And But we that, that branded audio has actually always been at the core of Coop, the first paid job that Coop Studios did back in, in 1980 was a jingle for a local bicycle shop in Boulder. So that that really is what we built this business on. So that's perfect. Thank you. Because that dovetails nicely into the next, this thought that I was having to continue this thread that we were on. Gosh, this is going to be a little bit racy here. I think people early in their careers think of audio as the thing that, oh yeah, and then we need to go pick a music track. 
And as they move through their careers and the level of work they're doing, the quality, the budgets, the reach, all of this, and you start doing work at a really high level, music moves more and more forward yeah. in that process. And in a way, that dovetails my experience because when I ran Impossible in Denver, obviously, Coop, you guys were our number one partner on all of our projects. And what I'm thinking back on is in, in my 20 years, the call that we would make to your team was earlier and earlier as Impossible was growing and evolving and doing bigger and better work. I'm just curious for your perspective or your take on that. I completely agree. There is definitely a correlation between budget, level of exposure, quality of work, and experience, whether it's an agency or a production house, the experience of really the individuals who are a part of the project. Some some agencies put those decisions very much in the hands of the creatives. Others put it more in the hands of the producers. Either way, the more experienced that creative or producer is, I would say it tends to move sound earlier the more experienced they are. Which is driving which, <laughs> right? As a person becomes maybe more sophisticated, more capable, more pro, if you will, in our industry, are they becoming more capable and more pro and more, I don't know, awesome in their ability to execute high-level, amazing work because they brought audio in sooner and made it part of the overall solve or is it a byproduct of and i'm just going to submit that i think it's a little of both because i have to give a lot of credit to my team because i had really smart creative people on my team that said like even before with the jobs awarded let's talk to coop because they might even give us a perspective or an angle to help us win this job yes the work obviously just ends up better because there's this beautiful dance that happens back and forth. Mm -hmm. Which comes first? <laughs> yeah, Chicken or egg? I, well, I think it is a little bit of both. I love you describing it as this dance because the ideal workflow really is exactly what you just described. It is calling your audio partner. And I think that word is also really important, the difference between a partner and a vendor. The first job that comes to mind is something we did years ago for WD-40, where they came to us very early. The agency came to us and said, hey, we want to, the idea of this spot is to create a piece of music using the sounds of power tools. We got to create the soundtrack before they had even gone into pre-pro on the shoot. And that remains one of my favorite things that we've ever done because it actually was audio first. And obviously that's not the right approach for every project, but there's still value, I believe, every time to having us involved in the conversation at that earliest possible stage. I want to share a couple quick nuggets because I have a feeling this is one side of the coin. And I know you have another side of the coin because I saw a talk that you gave. Was that the Rocky Mountain College of Art and Design? Yes. Remembering? Yep. First of all, one thing I found was someone who did a really small study of the five senses, mm. vision, hearing, touch, smell, and taste. And this person simply asked people, which of these do you think is your most important sense, a.k.a. 
which of these would you be most afraid of losing? <laughs> and interestingly, 67% or something said they would not want to lose their sight. Yeah. And even, even I, as an audio guy, would say the same. Okay. But the next biggest one was hearing. And then after that, touch and then taste and smell were distant fourth and fifth. So we'll put a pin in that because the next thing I read, this is a little more fancy. This came from the Max Planck Institute for Psycholinguistics. It talked about the same thing. What's the hierarchy of senses? Meaning if we have an experience as a human, mm. what do we experience first, second, third, fourth, fifth? And according to this study, it said here, vision ranks first and hearing ranks second, hmm. followed by the subordinate sense of touch, taste, and smell. This was something where it just said a large scale study of more than 50 different languages. The vision was the most important sense across languages. I thought, okay, that's interesting. But there's this other perspective that you shared in the talk that you gave. So I'm going to tee you up here. I got a nice little softball that I'm lobbying <laughs> to you. <laughs> so what was the heart of that talk that you gave? You know, when we, we talk about ranking senses in terms of importance. In my mind, I'm thinking about practical things like how do I navigate daily life? If I'm deaf, I can still get in my truck and drive to the studio. But if I'm blind, I've got a whole host of logistical obstacles to overcome. But those aren't the relevant things when it comes to advertising or even a purely artistic medium. What's relevant there, I think, most of the time is eliciting emotion or triggering a reaction, right? And when we think about our senses in that way, I would say they'd be greatly reordered. Things like triggering memories. I would say smell is a more important sense when it comes to triggering memories than a picture. Similarly, we are, as human beings, hardwired. And, and really all mammals are hardwired for this. And it starts before we've even been born. When we're still in the womb, sound is our first contact with the world. Before we've mm. ever seen anything, we hear our mother's voice. Mm. We hear our mother's heartbeat. And not only are we perceiving sound, but we're also attaching meaning to those sounds. So we know that if mom's heartbeat is a nice, steady, slow 60 beats per minute, we know that mom's in a calm state. And there are then further evolutionary factors that go into this. So think back to our past as humans in the primordial jungle. The way the brain is wired is that sound goes straight into the hippocampus. So you actually bypass conscious interpretation of the sound. And the, the reason for that is you needed to react instantly. When you hear a twig cracking behind you in the jungle, that predator is creeping up on you. You have to react instantly without thinking about it or you are out of the gene pool, pal. So we've really evolved to have this importance and tying meaning to sounds. I love that. I'm also thinking about there's something interesting about the way we experience visual stimuli as opposed to audio stimuli, mm. because visual information is more spatial. Mm -hmm. 
right? Because you look at something and it's almost like your eyes are a screen in front of you. Hmm. Sound, on the other hand, is all temporal. It's right. not spatial. Right. It's temporal. Think about the idea that you can pause a video, but you can't pause a song and continue experiencing it. It's weird, right? That's, I've never thought about that, but yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, yeah, when you hit pause you on a pause song, the you video. don't hear that note continuing. <laughs> and even if you did, it, it would be horrifying. Yeah. You would be like, that's gross. That's weird. <laughs> I'm going to submit this thought. Is sound and music inherently more story, more narrative, mm. more temporal? And I think often the way those media come together is that the visuals convey the information and the audio conveys the emotion. Ipsos did this wonderful study in 2020 where they measured brand attention on audiences. They measured 2,000 different television commercials. They measured things like using characters. Oh, hello. Lucky for me. Using celebrities. Are you in good hands? Font, color, all these visual elements, uh, a visual logo. And across about a dozen different categories, they found that by a significant margin, the biggest impact of brand assets on brand attention were sonic brand cues. Things that we hear viscerally start to associate with the brand when we hear them often enough, whether that's the McDonald's ba-da-ba-ba-ba, or even something that's less familiar to us. Those are what lodges in our brain and makes us pay attention to the brand. Obviously, for me, it's unthinkable to, to pitch a branding package without having a strong sonic component to it. But the research supports that. We know that we will have a bigger impact on our audiences with strategically branded sound. We know this. The research is undeniable. There's mountains of it. I think we as an industry in audio need to do a better job of making our partners aware of this and enabling them to upsell it in a way that will both provide a better product to the end client and also make them, our partners, more money in the process. Most of the projects that, that we're dealing with that aren't real world or experiential things are purely visual and audio. But when you start getting into real world applications, boy, that's where the rubber meets the road. Our mutual friend Dallas Taylor just did a, a recent episode of, of my favorite podcast, 20,000 Hertz. You're listening to 20,000 Hertz. Talking about the sounds of specifically electric vehicles and particularly focused on the suite of sounds that were developed for Rivian and just the beautiful way that the folks working on that incorporated the essence of that brand. We're talking about rugged, four-wheel drive, off-road capable vehicles. And the suite of sounds that were developed were all inspired from nature. You talk about how to bring that experience home, whether you're in a, you might be stuck in traffic in Manhattan, but if the sounds of your vehicle come from nature, boy, 
how wonderful does that feel to be in that cocoon and to have that visceral response to that to the brand that you're sitting in a brand <laughs> i will say the smart folks like you that have created these what i'll call idle sounds for electric cars mm. I kind of love yeah, because as I'm walking through the streets of Manhattan and I hear that little delicate hum mm -hmm. of an electric vehicle coming up on me, yeah. it, you would think it would kind of annoy people because it's like, here I am, here I am, here I am. But however it was designed, I'm kind of happy. Like, oh, cool. Yeah. There goes a Tesla. Oh, there goes a Toyota. Yep. I can I can feel it and sense it. And I don't know. I, I'm a fan. I, I absolutely think there is. And... Okay, as long as we're talking cars, can I make a 212-degree turn here? So I've often used um, an analogy of renting a car versus buying a car to differentiate stock music from custom music. Okay, this is good. So when you're using stock music, or even if you license a Taylor Swift song, you're renting a car. When you have something created for your brand, you're I don't want to say you're buying a car because buying a car is rarely a good investment, but you are investing in something. So original music, just like your visual logo or any of your other branded assets, is something that's going to increase in value over time. Your logo, think about, I don't know, the Coca-Cola logo. How much was that worth before it was introduced? Really nothing. But the longer it's used, the more iconic it becomes and the more people associate it with your brand. Same thing with, with branded music. Even if you have deeper pockets and you license a number one hit, sure, you're showing off riding around in a Ferrari, but it's a rented Ferrari. And when your media buy is over and another brand rents that same Ferrari, are people even going to remember you driving it? Whereas when you work with a company to create music that you exclusively owned, it becomes a part of your brand and it really does increase in value over time, just like all of those other branded assets. Yeah, there's an interesting business question there, right? Of what are you building for your client? What serves their long-term needs, right. their long-term interest, right? Because sure, I can imagine there's times when it makes sense we just need to get from A to B, so we're going to rent the car. Great. Like you guys would often take a piece of music you had originally created before that was licensable to others, mm -hmm. and you would plus it and improve it and so forth, yep. which was always a great middle ground. Yeah, that's a great compromise when you don't have a budget for creating something bespoke. And then at the other end of the spectrum, you've got things that are super branded, like jingles or audio logos. What's the word that you used to use for it? I want to say mnemonic. Yeah. Is yes. that still the word yep, you yep. use? Audio logo, mnemonic, sonic logo. Like, like with the Intel inside the little doom, 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 doom. Absolutely. And my, my, that, that was my go-to example back in the day. These days, I think my favorite is State Farm. because I love the way they bookend their commercials. You hear this tiny little underscore version right at the beginning of the spot. I don't know Jake from State Farm. And you know that Jake from State Farm is about to make you laugh. You know what's coming. And then they wrap it up at the end with the full sing of it. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And I love the way they're using it. They cue it up for you. And timing when you hear an audio logo is so important. Netflix is another great example. 
you don't hear the Netflix sound necessarily when you open up the app. When do you hear it? You hear it at that moment of payoff when you've been sitting with your partner on the couch for the last 30 minutes trying to decide what to watch, and now you've finally made a decision, and here it comes, and it hits you right when you want it. (laughs) So what's got Eric excited? What's Coop excited about when you think about where you are and where the future is going to? What's What's got you amped? It is, to a large extent, the experiential stuff. And again, whether that's things like events or other real-world applications like being in vehicles or going into a, a public space, we are working more and more with real-world applications. When, when you and I worked most closely together in the impossible days, we were probably 90% television commercials, promos, radio commercials. And now we're balancing that by a, a large margin with with a more experiential things. The sounds of the door chime when you walk into a store, ringtones, app sounds. We're working with medical device manufacturers to create more soothing and more meaningful alert tones for medical devices. We're working with hospitals to create better sonic environments, both in patient rooms as well as in areas like hospital cafeterias. We've got research that shows that we can actually have a positive effect on the issue of malnutrition. As people are recovering from a surgery or a chronic illness, we know that playing the right music in the hospital cafeteria will cause people to stay longer, to consume more food, and therefore to take better care of their bodies. And it's just incredibly meaningful work. And I'm not disparaging making television commercials. We're still going to always do that. But it really is nice to be able to balance that with work that has a positive, meaningful effect on society as a whole. Mm. So now I'm curious if I can maybe indulge me because I love it when you guys do a little bit of name dropping. Is there anyone that me or my daughter might know of by name that's recording in the studio these days or a celebrity who popped in for a VO or an ADR or something like that? I'm, I'm always just curious. (laughs) Oh, man. So much of our higher profile stuff is NDA'd. You know, for ADR projects, we'll have big A-listers in here that we can't talk about because nobody wants them to know that why they're in Boulder and things like that. But in terms of band recording, we've had all sorts of great bands in in here, ranging from famous jazz people to to Wu-Tang Clan. And that's another thing that we'll probably never stop doing is working with artists just to create music for the sake of music. And it is incredibly unprofitable, but it is also incredibly fulfilling. We love doing it. It's part of our DNA. And because of that, we're going to keep doing it. It keeps us inspired. It keeps us engaged. It keeps us on top of what the trends are and and what's going to stick around. And art for the sake of art is always going to be part of our DNA. I'm glad you had a moment to express that because I am increasingly, I don't know, grumpy (laughs) about studios and production companies and yes, audio companies, where if I'm your client and I ask you, hey, if no one was paying you, what would you create? Mm -hmm. 
and you better not you better not give me a blank stare. <laughs> oh boy, I'm gonna give you a list. <laughs> I think we we all count ourselves so incredibly lucky that we get to make money as a byproduct of doing what we are driven to do regardless. We are artists and creating that art is why we show up every day. And it is a really nice bonus to get paid for it. Well, dude, I think you just put a nice bow on it right, right there. I think that's like, <laughs> like a great like parting thought to say, dude, thank you so much for being in this conversation with me. I learned a ton. And so I'm hoping people listening also learned a lot. So how can people get in touch with you, learn more about Coop, what have you? Yeah, uh, you can find us uh, online at coopstudios.com, C-O-U-P-E studios.com. Um, and you can find us in the real world. Uh, if you ever find yourself in Boulder, Colorado, come and pay us a visit, um, pick up the phone. We absolutely love kicking around ideas. So yeah, please call us or call your other audio partners early and often. We, I think we all love the process of ideation. And I'll throw in a little shameless plug here because I know you're very active inside Rev community. So for if you're a business owner, a studio owner, and you're inside there, be sure to look for Eric Singer and what, shoot you a DM? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Rev Community has, it, it is not hyperbole for me to say that Rev Community has changed my life. Going through Jumpstart with you and with a, a cohort of, I don't know, eight or nine other studios, almost all of us have stayed in touch since then. It was such an incredibly powerful journey for me to go on. And this is, that was a program that I think you designed for up and coming studios. Well, here we are, a studio that's been around for 40 some years. And it could not possibly have been more valuable. It changed my day-to-day. It changed our strategic outlook on how we market ourselves, how we position ourselves, how I spend my time personally, and how we spend our time collectively. I'm like, you're making me blush, Eric. That's No, I appreciate that, that, that testimony. That's super cool. Well, dude, please give my best and my love to the Coop team. I can't wait to see you guys next time in Colorado. Likewise. Between now and then, we'll see you around the community. And I'll be listening out for all of the wizardry you guys are cranking out up there in Boulder. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for the opportunity to come on and have this conversation. I deeply appreciate you. Thanks for listening. The Rev Thinking Podcast is a commitment of time and energy and money. So if you like it, please leave us feedback and tell others about it. A big thanks goes out to Eric's team at Coop Studios for all their extra effort on this episode. For more about me, just Google my name, Joel Pilger. To learn more about RevThink or take part in what we're doing, visit RevThink.com. I want to tell you about a place to connect that you might not know about. It's our online community called Rev Community. It's a great place to get to know other creative business owners like yourself, to share some thought leadership and read other encouragement, to be challenged in this new marketplace, new technology, ideas, economic trends, and it's a place to research. Check out many of the resources we have online, our videos, and of course, this podcast. Join us today at revthink.com slash community. If you're a creative studio owner, feel free to join us today at revthink.com slash community.
I look forward to seeing you there. 